Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together Podcast. My wife is currently in an apron because she's making uh, Christmas Eve dinner. <laughs> Listen. Listen. I'm rocking the snowman. You are. It's it, it's a good look on you. Um, <laughs> today we had a great interview with Danielle Dabbs from Board Game Babies. This is not necessarily a homeschooling podcast, but it, there's a lot of game schooling. We did talk about a lot of educational games, a lot of you know preschool, early elementary games specifically. But before we begin, if you can hop down in the show notes, you will find all the links. All the links. <laughs> There's so many games There's mentioned so many. in this in this episode. Don't even try to know Dozens. Them. <laughs> dozens of games. So those are all linked in the bottom. Uh, we also have our resource guide. And if you could hop over to iTunes and leave us a review, it would be really helpful. So, Danielle Dabbs, the game, our game schooling goddess. Yeah. I, I think she was so wonderful. And you guys let us know what you think. But we just love talking with her. We thought it would be fun to maybe bring her back in future to check in and give us new game reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a what she calls a wannabe homeschooler. <laughs> she's homeschooling her preschool child um, and would like to think about maybe homeschooling her older. So they've been using games, especially during the pandemic, to help um, enrich and reinforce educational concepts. So she's got a ton of great recommendations, and they also have a, a charity angle to help more kids um, in foster care and other institutional situations be able to play games. So just a terrific interview. We loved it. We're going to get right to it because it was really long. Yeah, it's pretty long. So, so <laughs> if you like games, buckle in. As I said, I yeah, hide your credit card. Hide your and credit card. <laughs> get your, get your, dice, uh, your dice boards out, and then let's you know, get into it. Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Well, we are really glad to have you here. So um, if you could start, give us a little bit of background uh, about you and your family and how you started Board Game Babies. Sure. So um, my husband and I have been married for a little over 15 years, um, and we've pretty much been playing board games that entire time. And even before then, we started with games like Settlers of Catan and Ticket to Ride, which I don't know if you're familiar with or your listeners, but those are kind of more of like the entry level games now. Um, And that's what we started with about 15 years ago. And now we've been playing a lot more obscure games, more like Agricola and Fair, Dinosaur Island, things like that. Um, And that was really a big part of our lives until we had kids. (laughs) And then about eight years ago, we had our first child. And now suddenly we have four children. They just keep multiplying and showing up. Um, So we have an almost eight-year-old, a almost six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a one-year-old. And that really um, took a hit to our board game playing time when they came along. And so we realized if we wanted to have more time to play games, we should start playing more games with the kids. But when they came along, we mostly had a lot of classics that we'd received from family like Candyland and Shoots and Ladders. 
which I'm sorry if this offends anyone, but those are just torture to play. It's like oh, they're terrible. No, no we we throw we throw shade at Milton Bradley all okay. the time. Oh my gosh, cheap components and crummy gameplay. Yes, yes. And all I just say. when you think you're at the end, <laughs> suddenly you're sliding all the way back to the beginning, or someone picks the dang uh. cupcake anyway. So we started. Re- uh, it's like mousetrap. It's just like 20 minutes of setting up for you to just trigger the mousetrap over and over again. It's like, are we going to play? Actually, we just play mousetrap as <laughs> no. setting it up. We don't even play it. My kids just like to set it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So yeah. So I started researching though, when we were playing these games with the kids and cause we kept trying to also force them to play some of like our lighter adult games. But for a lot of them, they just didn't have the attention span. Like they could maybe understand some of it, but they couldn't sit there for, 45 minutes and play a game or they didn't understand the strategy of it and it was not fun for them and they were frustrated and we were frustrated. So even though they liked games and we liked games, we were on the same page. So I started doing a ton of research and realized that there were a lot of really great family games out there. It's not just Candyland and Shoots and Ladders. And I couldn't believe that with how involved we were in the hobby board game world. I mean, we, we go to like board game conventions that's how like much we nerded out when it comes to like the board games yeah we have a good friend who does um board game demos at the seattle board game convention yeah what is it um comic-con Com- well no, it's not, not the Com- comic-con but it was something else yeah i think it might be at like it was a, like a board yes we have a good friend I, I who does know. exactly that as well yeah so. it's on my bucket or origins groupies <laughs> that's like the midwest um game convention mm. so we go to that pretty much every year but even even going to that we had come across like some Haba games and had some of those. So that's some of the first ones we had started with. But even just in this age, we did not realize how we were missing out on so many great kids games. So we just bought a ton of those, especially too in the pandemic. We just keep buying them as we're staying home. And as the kids canceled all their, you know, summer camps and extracurricular activities, we're like, well, let's just shovel this money towards our board game budget. And I have no idea what this is like. <laughs> we have no idea. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we're on the same page here. <laughs> so we started playing all those. And then all of our friends started seeing us playing those because I was you know, posting it on our personal social media and mm-hmm. then I started getting all these messages and emails from our friends like hey I want to buy a game what do you suggest and so I'm like okay y'all stop bothering me I'm gonna put this on Instagram even though I've never used Instagram before <laughs> it just looked pretty there so um so I joined that didn't realize I was joining like an entire board game community which is an amazing community mm-hmm. but um I thought I was just gonna catalog some of our games put some little mini reviews up there send it to a few friends but apparently there are a ton of other people out there who are in the same boat that you are in and I am in, <laughs> we are in, where they're looking for things to do with their kids now that they are at home with them all day, every day, endless amounts of time. And so our page has just started exploding and we are loving it. We've put together our blog too. And then we started an Amazon shop and just um, we use the proceeds for that to buy um, games for uh, low-income kids and I can talk about that later if you want but um yeah we've just had a lot of fun writing the reviews and playing the games my kids are getting a little annoyed that I take pictures a lot of the times they're playing like they start to take my phone and hide it but <laughs> mostly they're on board now they're like setting up shots and like take these pictures for your board game friends mom 
Um, um, so that's not the right Instagram filter. We need to try something <laughs> else. I'm like, maybe they can figure out all my tech. I'm like, can you guys do reels? Have you figured that out yet in second grade? But um, <laughs> it's been great for our family. We've been just loving having this account. And again, like the community that, that is involved in board games and homeschool on Instagram is amazing. Like I'm just getting incredible ideas for all these other things I feel like I've been missing out on in life all the answers are on Instagram apparently but um my husband he also works a lot so it's been great because he's so into board games and when he comes home he doesn't always want to play Barbies for two hours but the kids can pretty much always convince him to like sit down and play a game with zombie kids or something like that so for a family it's been so much fun bonding and it's really nice to connect with other people and to feel like we're sharing what we've learned and um, hopefully other people are finding fun games for themselves too. Yeah. It's such a dynamic, uh, such a dynamic world. And for those folks who, uh, only know the Candyland and shoots and ladders portion of games, I feel like, uh, I feel like that's the, the grubby end of a, of a town of, of a huge city, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like, Oh, you're, you're only seeing the, you know, this one end and it's kind of shabby. Um, and there's just so much more to experience. So uh, I know that your two older children are in school and, and your your uh, preschooler, your homeschooling. Um, yes. Can you talk a bit about uh, how you've used games to enhance their learning, uh, help them overcome challenges or difficulties that they're having uh, with some of their school subjects and, and kind of how you've leaned into that game schooling aspect? Sure. So so I am what you guys refer to as an accidental homeschooler. <laughs> I've always loved the idea of homeschooling, but I just never felt like I could take that plunge until like COVID shut everything down in March. But when that happened, actually, it turned out to be a really like seamless transition for us because I just started pulling out all those games that I'd been collecting, all these educational resources, and just started using them more intentionally as part of our school day. We've always been a family that kind of educates in all we do. Like when we're, you know, at the zoo or out doing something, we're, we're always, you know, making life about learning in a fun way where the kids don't realize they're learning. And so, but this year, yes, our two older kids are in hybrid school now, which means they go to our public school two days a week um, and then a third day alternating weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I'm actually homeschooling my preschooler, as you said. And so our second grader, when she goes to school on the school days, she has school in school, but then when she's at home, she has to do some school work, but she doesn't have like virtual school where she has to get on meetings or anything. So literally as soon as she's done with whatever tasks the teachers have assigned, it's like a hefty home homework for her. Um, and then our kindergartner, his program is only the days he's at school because it's a part-time kindergarten program. So I have been using games with them quite a bit to supplement their education on the days they're home. And I'd say we've been doing that for like for their entire lives, pretty much um, since they've been able to start playing games. But this year it's been really fun because my second grader will get assigned something like the scrambled up states book as a read aloud for her map introduction unit at school and so I see her I'm watching her do her schoolwork now versus like when she was at school I didn't necessarily know they read that book in class because not everything comes home Mm -hmm. um but I'm watching her actually like watch the read aloud on her 
computer and I'm like, oh, I'll be right back. I have a game in the closet that I haven't pulled out yet. And I come back with a <laughs> game right scrambled up stage yep. game. Yep. We yep. have it too. Yeah, we have it too. <laughs> and she was just so excited. And so it's so fun to like, you know, follow up with what they're doing in her curriculum. And I mean, this could go for homeschool too. I mean, you can just build an entire curriculum, I think, to some degree around um, game schooling. And that is what I'm doing for my preschooler. But um, but for my older kids, it makes things that they're already doing more tangible. And like, it's just been a lot more fun. Like we played very silly sentences a lot when mm-hmm. they were working on parts of speech. And then we do quicks, which I know you guys are familiar with in Dragonwood when they're mm-hmm. doing activities where she needs to add, you know, two dice for math. And then um, she was just recently studying biome. So I pulled out planet to go with that. And she was super <laughs> excited. So I'm like, it's so fun for me too to be like, Oh yes, I have like something that goes exactly perfectly with this. <laughs> um, so my two older ones were basically using games like part-time to supplement what we're doing in school. And then we've always and continue to play um, a lot of games on the weekend. And those are, you know, in daddy's home, we play a lot more of the family like strategy games, but the great thing about those are that they're teaching things that aren't necessarily being taught in school, like mm-hmm. not just turn-taking and cooperation, but also, you know, these more modern board games are teaching, you know, like the thinking ahead and managing your resources and even something that like a kind of higher level concept that they are teaching in school. And we work a lot with our second grader on is um, growth mindset. This idea of like that, just because you can't do something yet, doesn't mean you won't be able to do it. And I think games are, you know, if you work at it, I think games are super great at teaching that because so many things that kids, um, you know, need to work on growth mindset with can take weeks or months or years, you know, they can't necessarily start like riding a bike in a day or, you know, learning to ski the second they put on skis. But when they play a game, I know personally too, when I finish a game, I think, well, I want to do that again. Cause I could play that better. Like I could try this strategy and I can get more mm-hmm. points if I do this. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's one of those like kind of higher level concepts that we use to teach them with games that isn't being taught at school. I mean, we do love our public school and we think we're in a great district, but we also know there is a lot of teaching to the test going on. And so they're not always being given the opportunity to like think creatively or to strategize. And so for us, games are a great way to introduce that to our kids. We don't want them to just learn to memorize facts. We want them to learn how to think and how to problem solve, how to work together to, you know, get out of the school before the zombies get you or get off the island and forbid an island before it sinks. Like those are all things they're learning that they have, they don't know they're learning most. Of. I mean, sometimes it's like, okay, mom, this is a math game, but like <laughs> three fourths of the time they're just having fun. Um, so those are my older two. And then, so even though they're in school, like games are such a part of their education. And then my preschooler, I decided to homeschool this year, primarily because of the pandemic. And with her, I'm definitely taking a game schooling approach. So, you know, using games to teach her curriculum. I'm actually... Do you you have a, like, do you have a specific curriculum you're using? So, no, I'm not. Okay. So how how are you designing or, you know, what is your philosophy around the game schooling for the five-year-old? I'd love to know that. Well, so she's... Four. She just turned four. So four, she's in her four, first okay. year preschool. So I, I don't have a lot of pressure on me because 
preschool is non-compulsory in our state. So like she doesn't have to go to preschool. So I don't have to meet state standards for anything. But um, I have been through our kindergarten assessment with my older two. And so I know exactly what they're going to be because our district does like a pre-assessment in March the year before they start kindergarten to see where they're at to kind of give you a heads up of like, okay, these are areas they may need to work on more over the summer so that they're ready for kindergarten. So I actually have those sheets from my older kids too. So I kind of use those as a reference of like, okay, I know she needs to be able to identify all of her letters. Mm -hmm. I'm uppercase and lowercase. I know she should know her letter sounds. If she, I mean, this is, Two, like, I always want my kids to go in a little bit (laughs) too, but so like, so that is what we're working on, you know, that she can identify numbers that she can use one-on-one correspondence, you know, Mm -hmm. writing her names, things like that. So some things I do have to, I can't use games for everything. Like we, we do add writing to a lot of games actually too, but, Mm -hmm. um, but basically I went like a little overboard in March and had like lots of activity and, and I mean, all these homes, all the parents who homeschool, like you guys, I just, I'm so impressed and amazed constantly. <laughs> I had like the energy to do it for like a month where I had like a curriculum that I made it myself kind of and stuck with it. And so I've realized that just doesn't work really well for us. Um, Cause half the time my other kids are home. So we have to be really flexible mm-hmm. and I want to keep it like preschool fun for her and not make her like feel like she's in kindergarten so we haven't used like a set curriculum, but basically what I do is every day that we have school for her, I have her pick two to three games and we play those. And then usually from that, it just like spurs other books that we pick out. So like she actually played planet with me the other day mm-hmm. and cause she saw the older kids playing it and wanted to try it, but she kind of couldn't keep up quite when they were playing. Cause they wanted to like match of all their stuff and score the most points. And so when I played with her, I could kind of just take it down a level and make it not so competitive. But after we played that game, we just, I went around the house, grabbed books of animals in different habitats. And we read like 10 books with animals in different habitats and talked about like, what are the things that you need in a habitat? So I'm kind of on the fly with preschool right now, but the game schooling is my base. So whatever she feels like that day, she would pick but she has two so let me say she has two shelves of games that are like primarily educational games Mm -hmm. so she kind of has to pick from those like she can't just pick all the like fun I mean most of our games have education at that Mm -hmm. age anyway I'm trying to think of something that doesn't even have it but like she'll have to pick like a, a letter game. So we use like the super Y ABC game or ABC bingo sequence letters, things like that um, mm-hmm. to do, or like spot it ABC match. Um, so she always usually picks one of those and then a math game, like one-to-one correspondence with like unicorn glitter luck cloud crystals or counter chickens. unicorn glitter luck. Oh, I have not played a million. Oh ever. my gosh. Unicorn glitter luck. Oh my God. I've played so that much. That helped our daughter with counting so much. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> my gosh. Those gems, they get everywhere. They do. Oh, they we do. found like four of them the other day. And I'm like, where did these even come from? 
like the night the nightmare of stepping on the lego no that's not true no, no, no. The, the, those gems are wicked keep following dante down and you'll have the unicorn glitter <laughs> oh, look God. pieces at the bottom of that they're so sharp <laughs> who designed oh, this they're all like they're all really sharp too anyway i know i yes. yes i have i've played a fair bit of <laughs> we digress we, i'm sorry no it's okay yes that's exactly what we're doing here too and finding them all over even though <laughs> I don't know where they come from. <laughs> um, so yeah, so she does, so we do that. And like, she's already starting to learn addition and subtraction concepts right. using the game bus stop. Um, and then we do like comparing number of values with Hoot Owl Hoot and Rad's Tag Cat. Cool. Um, so even though like I don't have a curriculum and I do feel like I'm kind of winging it a little bit, she is doing a lot of things that are more kindergarten level even because of the games that we're playing and because we're not, necessarily tied to a specific curriculum either so and that's no it's it's fine that that's a lot of what we've been doing you know we've been doing our digital curriculums we do torchlight uh blossom and root build your library um and then we have some additional curriculums that we they're, they're all literature based these are literature based things and then we do okay. our all about reading and write start math for our daughter's five years old and she's still in pre-k and she's going to be going to kindergarten next year but those are the math and the reading ones are kindergarten level um, yeah. programs, but we're doing a pre-K uh, curriculum. So to do all the literature and the, you know, the, um, was it the outdoor study and yeah. all that stuff. Um, but we do fold in a lot of the same games. So it, it's, it's funny because, you know, I, I do like to do more of a learner led, a lot of the people listening to this know this, but um, I'd like to do a lot of learner led um, studies on, you know, whatever subject she's interested in. Um, like today we were doing wood woodworking. I built like a little house with her and she was using the screwdriver and stuff because she was interested in that. And so I, I totally understand what you're saying where you just say, Hey, what are the, you know, couple games you like, you know, let's go do it. And then you start branching off of that. I, I do that on a daily basis. So I, it, you're, you're not like wildly in, in, in out in the wheat field, you know, running around. It's it, you are, you are very normal in what I think you know especially at, at the if level there's that, normal in homeschool i yeah, think that that's yeah. like everyone especially does at the so level uniquely. you're at with the four uh the four-year-old five-year-old type of thing what it's, i want to know though and yeah. we are four or five newly five-year-old loves 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 games um, she takes after us too which is awesome but we have an 18 month old so you also you have a one-year-old yes. like we just we just don't we can't get the time with her to play games yes. and to do things it's gosh that that little one is a challenge <laughs> That's why we do a lot of reading too, because he'll like sit there with us, or at least like, like we, we always, our dining room is what we call our baby jail. Like it's all gated. So like you can't get, okay. it's not a dining room. It's just a room of toys, but like, it's like <laughs> all gated with a couch in it. So that we just like the baby can just roam and destroy everything and take everything apart while I'm sitting in there reading. But that doesn't work very well with games because he wants to get into pieces. So he typically is taking apart our homeschool cart if he's in the room with us. Like it's all pencils and markers that he just dumps and picks back up and dumps again or colors on the floor or whatever he decides to destroy in the like 10 minutes we're trying to play. But I do try to, like he was taking a morning nap for a while. So that was like our really good game time, which was awesome. He's not doing that so much anymore. So I've kind of done our stuff that we can do in the morning more together. And then I'll put him down for nap and then I'll just keep, she is still napping by the grace of God. Um, and so I'll put her Amen. down for nap because two yeah. other days, two to three other days a week, I have two other kids home too. So yeah, because <laughs> they're 
so it, it is like a lot of stuff going on but um when when it's just the two of them and those are the days I try to really like have her school specific days I put him down for a nap and then she stays up and plays a couple of games before he goes before she goes down to nap but sometimes we can get them in in the morning it just kind of depends on how he's doing like sometimes we can I can see him from what if he's in like our dining room maybe playroom um, I can see him from where we're playing games too. So if he's happy, sometimes he can be in there still being kind of supervised, but he can't get to us. Okay, <laughs> so that's one of our, that's, that's been something that's saved us quite a bit with four kids is having the like safety zone where they mm-hmm. can't really get into anything. So you, you talked a little bit about how, you know, the older kids like to play planet. And then with your younger kid, you, you know, they're very competitive. They want to get the most points. They want to solve, you know, to build the biggest areas or go after certain cards, but your youngest wasn't really into that. Um, and you said you kind of stepped down the rules a little bit or stepped down the intensity. Um, do you find yourself doing kind of making up rules or uh, adjusting rules for games based on the age level? This was something that I did for a long time with my oldest when she was like two three and four years old i was taking out games like carcassonne i was taking out games like Catan, and i was playing with her kind of modifying rules modifying the game but using the pieces as sort of manipulatives do you do some of that with the younger kids and then you know work them into the actual rules of the game eventually you know we have so many great kids games now that i haven't really done that with any of our adult games because i mean it's just insane the number that we've accumulated, but I do still do that because I've got such a variety of ages because I have, you know, a newly four-year-old up to an almost eight-year-old. Sometimes we do adjust the games so that they all can play. So like, I know a game you guys like too, that we play a lot is sleeping Queens. That's one of our favorites. And that one's really easy to adjust because my eight-year-old can change the way she does the equations and, and even, um, you know, can do subtraction or yeah. multi-step equations. And my four-year-old can eat, just turn in pairs. So yeah, I don't that's... even necessarily have her use the equation component or I help her with it sometimes, but it, but we, we do make, we make this, like yeah, that. yeah, we made the same, um, adaption for, we made yeah, the same rule change for, uh, our five-year-old as well. We stripped yeah. out that math component. We just did pairs. Yeah. I wish that they would. I wish that they would think on that and come up with, you know, uh, rule adaptations so that we didn't have to do that. So it could be a multi-age. That would be so nice, right? One of my other friends actually suggested even taking out the like six through uh, 10 cards so that you just worked on one through five for doing the equations, which I thought was a great, I think I even wrote that and added it to my review later. I was like, all right, you're brilliant. Let's put that in there. it it doesn't work if we're playing with multi ages but if I'm just playing with her I can do Mm -hmm. that and and I do that like because some games we all play some games I'm just playing with my four-year-old sometimes I'm playing with just the older two sometimes we're just playing with my almost six-year-old it just changes day-to-day and interest level to with what games out to what they want to play and then we've changed a couple of games to be like more cooperative. Like, have you guys played Dragonwood? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Dragonwood is technically competitive, but we feel like it doesn't play well that way. Like it's more like, cause we turn it kind of into a, like an adventure game where you're like mm. making up a story and there's kind of like a little role play element to it. 
Okay. And so it doesn't seem like there should be a winner. So we've made like a scale. So you're like either like an awesome adventure or like a novice adventure, depending on how many points you get. So we've done kind of like little rule changes like that to make it less competitive sometimes. That's cool. Yeah. We, you know, I think it's, it's interesting. Those games that are cooperative, especially with the, this younger game set, they can get really wrapped around winning and, and being the winner. And that can lead to all sorts yes. of bad feelings for the one who's not the winner. And yeah. that, I want our daughters to be competitive, but not mm-hmm. to the point that other people don't want to play with you. So mm-hmm. we, I love... we have, we have seen four-year-olds rage quit on some games sometimes. <laughs> right. And that's why I love these young games that are focusing the peaceable kingdoms and some of the hobbas that are focusing on being cooperative because yeah, right. it's something that I, I think that they don't get as many opportunities to do that in other types of normal mainstream games to, mm-hmm. to cooperate with yes. one another. I agree. We play a lot of cooperative games because we have a lot of kids too. And we, I mean, I think we love kids, but <laughs> there seems like there's a lot of them. Um, and we, you know, we want them to learn to work together and get along and problem solve. But I think the other thing is too, that um, I feel like our kids are actually really good losers, like really good at losing. I shouldn't say losers, like really good at losing. <laughs> um, and I think that is because of all the cooperative games that we've played, they actually see like when they when they lose they lose with us so they're together (laughs) seeing us modeling how we lose so like a lot of times if you're playing against each other when the kids win they're so excited to win they don't care that you've lost so they don't they don't pay attention whether you're a good loser or not and when they lose they're usually so unhappy that they've lost (laughs) that they don't want to be taught how to be good at losing and so I think for playing these cooperative games our kids are really focused more on like when we lose together we can you know talk about how we enjoyed playing and how it was so much fun and well what can we try differently next time and well let's just play again and so I think that that has really helped them to be even better in being competitive because even when they lose they they enjoy the game more so they're still competitive they still want to win when it's competitive but there's not meltdowns and screaming almost ever, which is surprising to me because they melt down and scream about a lot of things, but like that is not <laughs> one of them. Yeah. Um, and I, I really think it's because of all the cooperative games we play and how they've kind of been able to learn to lose by, you know, mommy and daddy lost with them or they've lost as a team and we're going to just try different next time. And that's a like growth mindset idea too, but. Yeah, it's nice, you know, with cooperatives also you can discuss your strategy. So as you're playing mm-hmm. and you draw a card, you're yeah. you're openly discussing what you would do, which kind of informs them about, you know, some keys to how you would play. And you're right, when you lose, the first thing we do is say, "Ah, you know, next time we should have done this or we should really we should watch the 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 suns, how many suns have come up and mm-hmm. we should start taking bigger leaps in hoot all hoot or whatever." So, I think that that's it gives you a way to analyze and, and help them work mm-hmm. through that problem too of, of what went wrong and how could we do better. Yeah. Yeah. Modeling mm-hmm. the behavior. I, I had a question regarding, you know, you, you've, you've had a number of kids, you've seen them grow up, you play a lot of games with them. Um, have you seen playing games as a way to improve their, maybe two things, improve their critical thinking skills? Do you notice your kids can think through problems you know, in general, a lot easier because they play abstract, complex games. And then also, what about the the language skills? I noticed my daughter really grow in the language skills when we were talking and conversing and, you know, talking about the rules or talking about details of what we were playing. 
um, I saw her language kind of just kind of explode. So have you seen those two things with your kids over like, you know, years of playing games? Yeah, I mean, I think they definitely have grown in both those areas. I mean, I feel like we are really in the sweet spot for them right now. Like they're really have just gotten into more of the strategy type games in the okay. last like year and a half. Our, our oldest daughter is our one who has like our lowest attention span. So like she and my um, my eight-year-old and my six-year-old actually are kind of like at the same level of attention span. So they've been pl- playing, like growing into the strategy games together. But I mean, they definitely are able to like lead us in a cooperative game at this point, which to me shows me that they like get the strategy, like they're coming up with the ideas of how to do stuff. So while when we typically start playing those games, you can tell like we're guiding them and they're sort of doing what we tell them to do to some degree, but they really like take that on their own now. And I do think the language thing is definitely like something that they have grown in. Um, Especially we were playing um, Disney code names. Have you guys mm-hmm. played code names or? The... Yeah, we played regular code names. We played regular so, code names. Yeah. So the Disney one is with pictures, which I actually prefer to regular code names because I'm terrible at code names. But with I, I am pictures, too. I'm too. It's, the pictures, you might actually like it a lot better with, with pictures because you have like more to work from. But we thought there was no way that our, you know, at that time when we started playing it, like our seven year old could be the caller. And she's like, no, I want to be the caller. And she like tested herself and she's coming up with clues that were better than I could come up with. So just like her ability to, to connect things, but also to talk about it. That like, I mean, there's another game we play called dinosaur tea party. Have you guys played? It's like, it's basically guess who on cards, but with more people and it's really cute art. But um, so you, you have to play with three people or more. So guess who's two people only. This is more than um, two. And it, you have to, you know, ask those questions and be confident in asking your questions. I think even just that, like not being shy or not being afraid to speak up or to say what your question is, um, are things that they're getting in games that they're not necessarily getting in class either. Like they're not typically standing up and talking or being put on the spot to speak in front of people. And even though it's still our family, they're still when they're the caller or when it's like their turn to ask a question, they've got to be the one who initiates that conversation we can't do it for them so I think that has been something that has really helped them grow so yeah I don't know what next year is going to hold for our family but games are such a part of our culture that I know like in our family culture that we'll still be playing them even if kids are all in full-time school or if I decide to homeschool or preschool again next year um because I also think that a lot of um kids who aren't homeschooled don't have as much opportunity at school to kind of work beyond grade level or engage with things that are interesting to them. And when they come home from school, they don't want to do a worksheet or assignment. So we will always use games to kind of help them be able to do those skills and teach and reinforce those things. Um, But the other thing I did want to mention too was because I don't think like people who are even homeschooling, I know a lot of people like, you know, obviously you take a break for the summer too, but I think games are a great thing to do during the summer. We have a lot of friends that make our kids do worksheets and schoolwork over the summer, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that does not work for our family. (laughs) (laughs) It would be torture for our kids. It would be torture for me, but um, like summer will be like game schooling all the time and the kids won't even know it because that's when I feel like too, they can learn all this stuff and it won't be a battle of wills. It'll be fun. 
because we know summer slides a real thing, but I think games can be a way to combat that in a really fun way. Yeah, it's definitely good. You know, even, even like holiday times, like now we're getting ready to, uh, well, this will be coming out in January, but we're recording it prior to Christmas. We're going to be getting ready to stop our homeschooling for the holidays, but we still want to keep some of those skills going. And yeah. it's like games are such a great way to do that, right? When they don't even realize they're yes. learning, but you're still getting a little bit of math and a little bit of reading and letter recognition and things. Um, it's a it's a good stealth way to make sure that we don't, you know, we don't slump back and, and kind of forget and lose our, some of our momentum. So it's also yeah. great for that. So we've been talking about how great games are to help with uh, strategic thinking, planning ahead, cooperation, all these aspects. Can you, can you tell us, do you have any kind of specific examples of times when your child was struggling with uh, a skill in school or met a challenge and you used games to help, you know, get them over that hump or, or teach that skill that they needed? Yes, absolutely. Um, so when the school building shut down here in March, well, everywhere in March, um, our oldest was in first grade. And that was when I got a really up close and personal look at what she was doing at school. And one of the things that she had to do daily at home during the homeschool, you know, or learning at home, remote learning portion of last year was an online math program where she was working on addition fluency. So she'd be timed to see how fast she could do her addition facts up to 10. And it was literally torture for her. I mean, she was like crying and whining and arguing every single time I brought up the name of this program that she had to do online. And it was just a constant battle. Um, so I was watching her do this super, super boring program. And it's kind of stressful too, because she's like freaking out because she's being timed. She didn't know how to use a mouse. She's like clicking on the wrong things. And I watched her do that. And I know we've talked about it already, but um, a light bulb went off in my head. I'm like, why are we not playing Sleeping Queens with her? So that's when we pulled out Sleeping Queens and she would play 20 hands of it in a row. And she was doing the same addition facts that she was in the computer program, but no complaints, um, no whining. And so that was amazing. But then also that's when my five-year-old started playing more with us. And he wasn't even in kindergarten at that point um, because he was playing, he started adding and then figuring out subtraction and we hadn't been planning on teaching him those things, but he was enjoying the game so much he was learning those skills. So it was something that my daughter was struggling with and that he like proactively <laughs> learned. So he's in kindergarten now and he can add up to 20 and subtract within 20. And they haven't even introduced adding in his class yet. Um, but I think that was the game that really hit me how powerful, you know, these games are as an educational tool. And that's what kind of motivated me to share with others because I saw her just struggling with a basic skill and it wasn't because she couldn't do it. It was because it was being presented to her in a way that she hated and was just, you know, just frustrating and difficult. And in the game form, it just didn't have that same stress for her. It was just fun and she could be carefree and let go and really focus on just enjoying the game. But she was doing all the same math skills. So did, did playing the game increase her confidence to the point that she was able to, you know, to, to meet the obligations that the school had with this program and, and feel more confident to, to do that now that, that she had played enough and, and felt good about the, her addition skills? Yes. Like, I think she was really losing confidence and some of it was just computer skills. Like she just had not had a lot of time on the computer and 
was just being thrown into that, but um, cause she could do the math, but she was starting to feel stressed out and bad about it. But when she realized she could do it in the game, it helped her realize that she could do it. You know, I knew she could do it and she, I think knew deep down she could do it, but she wasn't doing it on the computer program and she wasn't getting like the achievement she thought she needed, but she was achieving when she was winning the game. So she was happy about that. So do you, know, do you have any game? So let's, let's go into the game recommendations. I think that's probably the most important thing. You know, we, we do a lot of game reviews. We do, you know, a ton of games here. We've mentioned a lot of games on our podcast. Do you have any games that maybe you can talk about maybe some corner case obscure games that people got to get? Um, and then maybe do you have like just a list of like, you know, a couple games that yeah, you use all the time and maybe you could just give a few recommendations. Yeah. If you want to start kind of the, the preschool age set and then yeah. we can talk maybe early elementary, we would love to hear um, some new recommendations and I'm going to hide my credit card. <laughs> until this is over okay yes do that because i have a lot of you, you've already got no. me to buy one game i, I love oh silver and gold matthew and i oh i was gonna and... talk about that one too because oh talk about it it's favorite. really okay. good really good um we'll start with preschool that's not a preschool game um so in my mind and kind of in our life we have two categories of preschool games and i feel like this is good to be upfront with people about because there's preschool comes in sort of the educational games and for most of those, I enjoy them much more than Candyland, but those aren't the ones I'm like really pulling off the shelf for fun and pulling them off more for the educational content. And then I think there is a whole set of there out there of like really fun preschool games. Like they're still learning stuff, but these are the ones like I would probably pull off and play even if my four-year-old wasn't playing with me. So I was going to share two of each of those because I feel like it's not necessarily fair to lump them together. Um Again, the, the educational games are so fun. They're just not as fun as the fun games. <laughs> so the ones in the educational category for preschool that I love, um, I think I kind of mentioned it earlier, was that there's a game by Orchard Toys called Bus Stop. And there's actually almost an identical zoo train version on Amazon that is significantly cheaper. Um, and I think it's pretty much the same, just the one I play has a die that you roll. But I really like this game because I feel like it's, it just it incorporates all the educational things you could want to do for math, in my opinion, for like preschool. So in this game, you roll a die and then so you're counting the pips on the die or identifying them, which is a strategy that I want my four-year-old to have is to be able to look at the die face and know how many mm-hmm. um, she's rolling. And then you move your bus around like a little neighborhood and in each space you land on either a plus sign or a minus sign. And depending on what you land on, you spin a spinner to see how many people get on your bus or get off your bus. Mm-hmm. So she's not, she's counting the pips. Then she's using, you know, one-on-one correspondence to move her bus, that number of spaces. Then she's learning the difference between the addition and subtraction symbols. So like, I'm already putting that in front of her. It's already in her vocabulary. Um, and then she's also using one-to-one correspondence to count the number of people that she's putting on or taking off. And you do that the whole way around until you get back to the bus station. So I really like that one a lot from an educational perspective. Ariel just, Ariel just loaded that one up into her Amazon. <laughs> but there is, wow, I'm having to laugh because Matthew's, Matthew's <laughs> miming to me. He's like, buy this buy one. This you game. need to buy this, we need one this right game. Now. <laughs> oh my God. We're going to be broke train, by the end of the this. The new train version is a lot cheaper. It does not. It comes with two spinners from what I've seen a couple of my followers like 
accidentally ordered that one. And so I was like, okay, I, that's the one that's actually in my Amazon shop now anyway, because I'm like, I'm all about saving money. Um, but you could just add a dot. I mean, I'm going to be broke by the time this episode is over. Sorry. <laughs> we, we, we need to write our Congresswoman, you know, Senator, oh, to, they need to up the stimulus money. <laughs> um, or you need to get your library to start lending out games because oh, people I wrote their to libraries them. do that. And I am so jealous. So, 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 I, so I jealous. literally wrote to our head librarian and asked if they were going to do it. And if they were, did they need a game curator? Yeah. Um, and she said they weren't going to do it yet, but they would call me. So, you know, that's out there. It's my second yeah. career. <laughs> second career. <laughs> anyway, I know, please we, continue, Danielle. No, it's fine. Um, and then, I mean, we basically have a library now too. I should just start like my own lending program here, but um, right. so if it wasn't, if it wasn't like needing to be quarantined every time it came back, but anyway, <laughs> so the other game then for like on the flip side of that for reading again, not the most fun game in the world, but our kids actually love this game, which I'm like, okay, if you love it, you love it. Like, that's good. I, I love you loving the educational games, but um, is this game called super Y ABC game. Have you guys seen this? It's, it's based on the PBS kids show, um, Super Y. And it's literally the easiest game. Like you just roll and move around the board. Um, I, actually, I think you spin the spinner, right? So you, you spin the spinner, you, you move around the board. So you're doing a little bit of just roll and move math, but then you land on a Super Y character and there's uh, four different types of cards. And so they're each type of card has a different strategy or like reading, strategy that they're using so um some of them are like determining the starting letter sound of a word coming up with rhyming words to the other words on the card reading the words on the card on the board or identifying like they'll show you the capital letter and you have to find the lowercase letter or vice versa so we do that one a lot for preschool because it it, it just incorporates all those components that i'm trying to teach her um, for her, you know, letter recognition and sound recognition, and then the rhyming and starting to read. We kind of skipped the reading ones with her right now, but that's the ones my six-year-old does too. Um, and then I actually added a whiteboard to that game. So she practices writing the letter. So whether she's like figuring out which letter matches or figuring out the starting letter sound, she also then writes the letter on the whiteboard. And she actually thinks the whiteboard is part of the game because she hasn't played it any other way. So again, not like I'm not going to play that by myself with my husband, but there's so much educational value that even though I don't think they're super fun, the kids actually love them too. So those are two that we play like, that are like, are like, we're really game schooling. Let's get down to business. This is like homeschool, preschool games. Um, but then the two fun games that I want to talk about are like two of my like favorite games. Like I would probably play these without kids. So one is called Dragomino, and it's the kid's version of King Domino, which I think you guys are familiar with. Yeah, yeah, we have King Domino and Queen Domino and uh, Age of Giants. Yeah, we've got, oh, yeah, we, we know got King Domino. Yes. So, but so do how you is have it? Dragomino? No, we no, don't. It, how is okay. it? Uh, well, go well, ahead and put that in your Amazon cart. Just, just put it in there. I'll explain. Just go ahead. Yep. Um, you're a bad influence (laughs) i'm sorry i know but but i'll tell you how you can you can help people stuff Um, anyway so it's i think this is perfect for preschoolers um and even though my older kids can play king domino they actually prefer this one because there aren't the grid limitations and there are also adorable baby dragons which they are all obsessed with and like want to take care of um so it uses the same tile drafting mechanism that king domino does and you're still matching up the areas, but every time you match up an area, you get to pick an egg 
and that egg either has a cracked egg on it or it's a little baby dragon that you then like put in its little habitat like in the area that you matched up and so if you're matching up multiple sections you can pick two eggs um and then whoever has the most dragons at the end win the, wins the game and it's super fun but it actually has al also introduced probability to them because there mm -hmm. are the same number of dragons for each type of egg but some of the types have fewer eggs so like our kids know if they line up the lava area and they pick an egg there are fewer eggs and they have a better chance of getting a dragon um so even though like i think that one is super super fun there's still you know math component to it and then of course they're like counting their dragons at the end um and then the mechanic of matching up the domino areas but just the release of not having to do that grid back you know they can build their dominoes mm -hmm. any way they want and king domino even though our older kids can play i still feel like they are you know we're like wait no you can't build when even my husband i'm like no you can't build that there like that's too far <laughs> So he's gonna kill me. <laughs> so so by the time this comes out, actually, we'll have a King Domino review that will have come out. Oh, okay. And um, so there's a hack to that. Actually, if you go to the Blue Orange website, um, they have some freebies, and one of the things they have, they have both a a, a printable color and one for a coloring page for your kids. But it's actually a five by five and seven by seven grids, so that you could put that down on the table, and it would help you to, you know, stay in the lines. Uh, so you just, and there's a couple of free games as well that they have that are print in place. Well, so I'll get that for my husband. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's nice because even us, we go, oh gosh, wait, we have to make this five by five grid. And then, you know, Matt's remind me, uh, you can't do that. You know, so yes. uh, it could be kind of helpful to have, uh, I was thinking I would probably laminate the grids and keep them around. No, that's a really good tip. Thank you. There's so many things. I feel like I know lots of things and there's so many things I don't know. Like so much I learn every day. So um, much. But I do like the thing I do like about Dragomino is that like as young as three can play it. So it's one of, it's like, I feel like there are very few games, not very few, but there are few games in our collection that really span that like three to eight year old age that they're all still really engaged in and can play together. And so this, I really like because that this is one of those. Yeah, definitely. That that's a, it's a hard um that's a hard age span. I think you and I've talked before that, you know, before 5 because 5 is really that sweet spot when they could start mm -hmm. to play older games and uh so yeah, you get kind of the preschool games, you know, they're kind of uh, segregated into uh, well, be only this all that they can do really. And then the yes. older games. So that's a that's a good recommendation. So uh, what's your what's your second fun game? So the other one that I really like right now is uh, my first Castle Panic. Have you guys played that one? And we, we have, have regular Castle. We have Panic. regular Castle okay, Panic. Okay, so it's it's a really simplified version of Castle Panic, um, and it incorporates like some colors and shapes, but really it's mostly a lot of cooperation and strategy. Um, so the monsters are kind of similar to Castanic. They're trying to get to the castle, but in this case, you're moving along a path to get to the castle and you're using your cards and your teammates cards to match the space the monsters on. So you, like they might be on like a red triangle. So you need a red triangle card to, to take them and then you throw them in the dungeon. So that one is really fun because we also like incorporate a story with it, some role play, and then it's just good for reinforcing colors and shapes, but it's not like so educational, like, you know, bus stop or the super YABC game is. And because it's cooperative, it, it does those same things that we talked about, like that we are on the same team and we wouldn't ever lose as a team and um, similar to the Peaceable Kingdom games, but I feel like my 
older kids actually enjoy this one a little bit more, even though it's like colors and shapes, just the way it plays strategically and like getting to throw them in the dungeon, they seem to have more fun with this when they even kind of like are growing out of the Peaceful Kingdom ones a little bit. But I do and, love all the Peaceful yeah. Kingdom games too. And I really recommend those for preschool well, age. And, but. and it does look like it kind of, you know, introduces the idea that, you know, monsters are coming onto the board, you're, you're yes. removing them. So you, you can level them up to the, the larger game it seems like yes. this is kind of a simplified yeah you're right yeah, a simplified good stepping stone there may or may not be ticket to ride first journey and Catan jr under the christmas tree right now because Spoilers. we are also trying to level what, up what if she's listening to our podcasts what what if she's listening to our podcast oh she's not listening no she's, she's five okay. years old <laughs> <laughs> this one doesn't come out till january <laughs> she already know she already That's knows right. i'm getting gas panic well we're she's just trying at the to... door right now yeah you know it's like you you don't want to buy junior versions of games right because like oh that's a that's a waste i I have the adult version and i don't want to spend 20 bucks on the junior version but uh really we've come to realize i think mostly through our daughter playing ticket to ride first journey on the ipad that there's a value to that junior level game um and there's there could be quite a good um number of years that that's the appropriate level and not having them try to play you know upper level Catan. yes Well, and again, too, when you have like multiple kids, like when your younger one is older, they'll be able to play those together easier, which is nicer versus having them on different games. And and like, so my six-year-old really loves Castle Panic. But again, when he's playing Castle Panic, we're really guiding the strategy. I mean, mm-hmm. we're really like, hey, yeah. don't you want to use this card or do you want us to trade this one? So the thing <laughs> I like do, alpha playing. I know it is bad though. It is. We do. <laughs> Um, but that being said, like he really likes my first cast event because he can like almost kind of alpha player my four-year-old a little bit because he mm-hmm. gets it and like he can do it. Like, and there's still like some of the like, you know, when you get this monster, it pushes all the monsters forward, or this one jumps to the front of the line. So there are like dynamics. Um, but I like that he can play the older game, but he's still, even though he's in kindergarten, he still really likes playing even my eight-year-old almost eight-year-old really likes playing this one because it's just because they can play it and again too like these games then they can play independently which oh my gosh the best thing ever when they can just play themselves and pull out a game like they will often take out dragomino and play without me which i just love um that that sounds as much as i do love playing games (laughs) it's really nice to be able to do something else you know because i've got that other baby running around too who knows what he's doing at that point so when they will um, play together. I really like that. So I do, so I guess some of my preschool fun games are also have the lens of like, are these games that all of my kids enjoy playing, even if they're not in preschool. And that is what makes them really good in my book, because then I can have all my kids playing the same thing without complaining about like, this is a baby game or this game's too hard or yeah, that's terrific. So we we talked preschool. Let's let's move up to early elementary. What uh, what are your recommendations for for that age set? Okay. So yeah. So we have kindergartner, secondary. We talked about that, and that's our. I think that's just the sweet spot. Like these are where the games get so fun. I'm like seriously. Like we have a couple more things to go in zombie kids, and I'm like, can we just play this without them if they don't want to play? Like finish it right now because <laughs> yeah. like these are the ones we like want to play at our home, but. Even though a lot of them do seem like they're more for fun too, like there is a lot of educational value. So this was really hard to choose just a few of these. So if you want me to just keep going, I'll just keep, I'll keep be off here all night if you want me to. Um, <laughs> but I have 
may have to do like, like a check-in with you in a while that you've, ex- you've uh, explored and found a bunch of new recommendations and call you back. Well, I do have, like, I think I've written up 85 reviews on our Instagram <laughs> page too. So you can always check there too, but. Um, well, it, it's getting late. Uh, this is game yeah. reviews after dark. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you mentioned it, but I think the biggest surprise for us for this age has been the flip and write game called Silver and Gold. Oh. I, we have played so oh, gosh, ariel told game. me about this game she even showed it to me on youtube and i was like eh it's tetris <laughs> but i'd already bought it so you it's had to tetris be all right fine i gotta play it all right we'll play it we have played so many hands oh of this gosh, game this is, this is such a fun game and it's so fun played, have you tried it with your five-year-old yet no no okay no. i was just curious no. not yet it but was, but uh, we haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, so tell tell our listeners okay. what uh, what is silver and gold so I actually bought this for me and my husband to play. And my kids saw it and they're like, we want to play this game. So I'm like, all right, let's try it. See what they can do. Um, they love it. They're obsessed with it. Like both of them say it's in their top, are, are almost eight-year-old or almost six-year-old, say it's in their top five games. Like this is when they pull off constantly. So it's a game where you actually use dry erase markers to draw on your mm-hmm. cards, which not first just, of all. No, no, no. Cool. Not just dry erase cards the best, the best dry writers. erase yeah. card <laughs> cards and markers on right. the planet on the planet right. there's never been better game components than these i, mean, I want to buy a co- i want to buy a copy of it steal all the dry erase markers <laughs> and put it into all my other games you're right though no it's true they're they are so the good. best dry erase markers they really are they're the best ones yeah. ever. Sorry, sorry. But as like a gamer at first, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm writing on these cards. I'm writing on these cards. This is going to be okay. And like, they're, they're, it's just, it is really good quality. Um, but so game, take, right. game right. If you're listening, you need to level up your Quicks oh game. Oh, Quicks Deluxe. Quicks, come on. Talk, oh, to, yeah. talk to these guys. <laughs> I know. I always like kind of ding them too for not putting golf pencils in with the, paper ones i'm like just put a few golf pencils in i mean we can't oh. we like keep golf pencils in bulk at this point but like <laughs> i'm like i just want a few but i mean i should laminate those anyway so really it is all about the dry erase markers so uh, t- side note have you guys tried erasable pens yet are these the is, is this yeah. the micro not the microwave thing no i it's, use them at work you don't they have erasers on them we use them for cartographers and oh, they're wow. awesome anyway cartographers we may be getting that game too or, oh no. are you giving away a christmas <laughs> no. for your wife no. on the podcast are no. you telling everyone what's under a, the christmas tree for no me? this is being released i mean after. it's in Who january knows? don't you already know you don't know this. right <laughs> right I mean, right. I would love that if that's, what, that's what who knows. I may or may not have gotten. I don't know. Well, don't bring know. those erasable pens home from work just in case. Um, <laughs> but so, so back, silver and gold. Back to silver and gold. So it, it is similar to like cartographers. But anyway, you you are taking dry erase markers and you're drawing these polyomino shapes on your treasure cards. And so, and then there's all sorts of bonuses you can get with coins and palm trees and jewels and. This game incorporates so much math, like so much math for our kids. So first of all, I think just drawing the Tetris shapes and being able to look at the sample card of what shape you're supposed to draw and then like mentally thinking about rotating it and flipping in your head to fit on the card is something that our kids are are not learning at school. Like, I don't know if they'll ever learn that at school. Maybe like in high school, I have no idea. I'm not there yet. The the spatial spatial dimension, Mm -hmm. uh, flipping, rotating, mirroring all you know, shapes in your head and then putting them on the board is 
that is not something they'll ever get. And being able to visualize that is just an incredible skill. Yeah. So yeah, the fact that our kids are like doing that, I mean, you know, they didn't not at first, they're just drawing it and how it looks. And we're like, well, you can, you know, we're showing them how you can rotate it. And then we're talking about flipping it. So like all of that, I mean, they just keep growing in it and they're, they're really doing it now because they play it so much. Um, So I just think that's a fantastic component of the scheme that I don't, again, like you said, it's not necessarily even going to be taught maybe at all. And I can't think of another game that does that level of flipping. Like we have the Haba tiny part game where you are like, you're physically placing the tile. So it is like, we have other polyamino placing games, but this one, because you're mentally doing it before you draw it, I think is just really um, awesome for them for their learning. And then there's tons of adding with the scoring at the end. And we make our kids do all that. So it goes yep. from, you know, very simply counting their coins that they earned by crossing those off on their little treasure cards and then adding that to any bonuses up to where they add their, you know, five different eight to 14 point cards together. Now we have to help them with that, but our second grader is really getting that. And again, that's not like that kind of math is, I think, still even a little bit beyond what she's doing in school so and then she's even using you know very simple multiplication for the bonuses because if you have you know four of the diamond cards or whatever it is and you you have a bonus that gives you two points for each you're doing some basic multiplication Mm -hmm. when you're adding it and so even though she hasn't done multiplication yet I've been able to introduce it to her practically and it just makes sense so Mm -hmm. now she gets the concept of multiplication even my kindergartner he's getting it because he wants to be able to do all the adding for that at the end of his scoring so i just i love that game <laughs> no we, we we have been playing a lot of hands of it I, yeah it's a terrific yeah, it's game we uh thank you for the recommendation <laughs> well you should try it with your five-year-old see how it goes we will mm, we may try will. maybe next year i mean she's still in preschool <laughs> but but i i would say like that one is one that I didn't expect to be an early elementary game. I saw it kind of advertised as a adult game and Mm -hmm. it's turned out to be, I think a really great game schooling game. But so another elementary game that I really like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot is Giraffatosaurus. You guys played this one? I almost bought this like last week (sighs) on sale and I was like, oh. I I know I posted a sale too. I know. It It didn't entice you enough. Okay. I'll decide later. <laughs> um, so, I mean, first of all, I just, it has dinosaur meeples, which. Yeah, need to say your, more. I was going to say, yeah, I'm sure you all, all your listeners know what a meeple is, but dinosaur meeples, and they're all different and they're so cute and they're so colorful. Um, and this game, so in this game, you're actually drafting the meeples, which means you're taking turns, picking from a selection of dinosaurs that everyone shared. So like, like sushi go it's like the same drafting concept but dinosaur meeples um so you take those dinosaurs you pick what you want then you you know pass pile they pick what they want and then you're putting them in your little dinosaur park and they have different pens which score different points in different ways so for younger players like our our kindergartner he's just mostly following the restrictions like your park is divided in half so sometimes you have to place it on um, a certain half of the park or the top of the bottom or um, whatever the restrictions on the die that you roll tells you to do that. So he mostly is kind of just following restrictions, but he loves, you know, picking the dinosaurs and putting them in the pen. 
But then my second grader, she's really to the point where she's looking at the different ways that each dinosaur pen can score and then trying to figure out, okay, well, which is the best strategically to place my dinosaur to get maximize points. So she's really thinking at like a higher level and then using just different math concepts to figure out how to place her dinosaurs. And then when you score, you're scoring each of the pens based on their qualifications. So some of them are like, if you have pairs, every pair scores four points or whatever it is. Or sometimes if you have each different kind of dinosaur in that pen, the more of the more unique dinosaurs you have, the more points you get overall. So there's like a set number that you get then for that pen. And then they have to add all that together. Um, and so I are just they, think it's the cutest. Are pen. they pulling the dinos out of the bag, like kind of blindly, sort of like- So a, you have a bag and then you're quacks, pulling like- Yeah, sort so, of like the Quaxa Quidlinburg type of thing. So that one is under our tree for Christmas. <laughs> um, we, we, fun. we have played- like literally a hundred hundred games of oh that. My gosh. Yeah, we right. have a part of our corn team is a, a couple that um lives alone and they're uh, gamers and they come over and we play they bring quacks. quacks. It's very awesome. good. Yeah. So that one is on our list. So I can't say for sure, but it's like so there's a bag and you pull out two basically for every person and then you one person takes one and then you pass the whole pile. So you're seeing what oh, okay. is kind mm -hmm. of, I don't know if technically you're supposed to be seeing, like we kind of, that's where we like fudge the rules a little bit. Like our kids can kind of look at what we're doing. But the, the only downside I think about draft stores is that I don't think it plays as well with, with two players. So mm -hmm. that one is really good to play with both of the kids or for all four of us to play together. It just doesn't draft quite as well because you're like tossing your extras instead of everybody picking from what's selected. But I just think it's like a game that most, like a lot of kids will start at like six, five, six and up to adults play it. So it's like that, it just spans a really wide range. And I just like the concept of that. They're trying to do the point maximization, kind of like Sushi Go. You know, you're, yeah, you're always yeah. trying to figure out how do you get the most points out of your um, cards, but it's dinosaur meeples in your little dinosaur. I. We're, we're doing like an entire, like probably month of dinosaur game reviews because I have eight of or nine of them that I've been hoarding, like waiting to do all together. So obviously we have like a little bit of an obsession here, but. You guys got um, Dinosaur Island as well? We have Dinosaur Island, yes. Dinogenics, dinosaurs. I, I Like I literally can't even remember them all. SOS Dino, Dinosaur so Party. So there, there, there's a print and play for, uh, yeah. for Quicks called uh, Jurassico. Yeah, if you go back and listen to our Quicks episode that just came out, we and do it uses a lot of the same plays. dice as Quicks, yeah. but it's like a, it's like a, I don't know, Jurassic Park, right? Getting the the genome or whatever, and you just print it off. You can laminate it and toss it into the Quicks box, right? So if you don't yes. want to play Quicks, you play Jurassic. Go. Just so you know, just you can add find, to your dino. I think it's on. Um, no, I love this. We just got like we like never have ink in our printer, but we just like signed up for Instinct, so now I can print all of these. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's on Board Game Geek. If there's a download, okay. yeah, yeah, go go and listen to our quick. Well, I'm gonna put that gotta, in my in the show notes in my January of dinosaurs or whatever, <laughs> mm, whatever I call that. <laughs> yeah, so I think that was really fun. Um, and then, gosh, it you're really making like this hard. I mean, I only pick like a few of them, but the one, the other one that I wanna I think talk about is um trekking the world. 
which is kind of like a sequel to Trekking the National Parks. You guys that played either so good. I don't know what age we're, we're doing around the world study with our daughter for her kinder slash first grade year kind of thing. And I'm not sure kind of what the youngest age, but Trekking the World looks amazing. So tell, tell, tell us about it. So pictures. I would say like scaling, it goes like ticket to ride, then probably Trekking the National Parks, then probably Trekking the World. That's just my opinion. So I think Trekking the World is probably a little bit more older end of early elementary, like second and third grade. Our kindergartner can play with some help, but he he's like definitely our gamer and he's played Trekking the National Parks quite a bit and there's similar mechanics. So that has helped him, I think. So I'm not sure that it would be the best game for like a kindergarten first grader, but our second grader loves it. And um, so it has kind of similar mechanics to Ticket to Ride in that you're collecting sets of cards and then you're using those sets of cards to claim, in this case, a destination. But I love this one because I think it's just great for geography and then also for reading and even history. Like there's so much because each of the destinations has a card and it's just very beautifully illustrated. But on the back of every card, it describes the destination. So it's just different um, world wonder type places, different landmarks that would be on the, in these different continents. And you're going to each of those places and then trying to claim them. Yeah. The artwork is beautiful. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the thing for me about this one is that um, I I just love that it's a world map. I think so many of our games that are geography themed are more focused on the United States or Europe, but this one is just like really colorful. It's really engaging. And I think it's fairly accurate. I mean, I can nitpick a U.S. map a little bit better than a world map, but it seems like it's generally everything's in the right place. And, um, (laughs) but I just, it's definitely not just a kid's game. Like it's, it is a light, like it's one of those, like that falls into kind of like a lighter adult or entry level game. Like, like the base ticket to ride game would be the, not the kids, not the, my first journey, but the regular game. But I just, love the mechanics of it but I really love the artwork and that it's introducing them to the the world like they've got like a world puzzle but they don't interact with that in the same way they interact with this map like understanding how to travel from one country to the other because you're moving your little person and sometimes you're like flying between the places sometimes you're just taking the path but to just see the relationship between the places and again not just look at it in a book or look at it on a puzzle but really interacting with it helps them to grasp like our kids have like a bucket list of where they want to go when COVID is over and it is ridiculous like it is not feasible but I'm like super excited that they want to go see these places that they've encountered in games like you know trekking the world and and trekking the national parks too and want to go to visit them because they've engaged with them tangibly again not just like reading about it um, which we do too you know everything we do with games we always are incorporating with books like I probably have as many books as I have games or more in our house too it's it's bad but when we go broke we'll just live in a house of game boxes and books but um you're you're not so tiny house (laughs) we're staring at a huge wall of uh wall of books we have so many books yes so we always time together but I do think there's just that like extra element like maybe they've seen it in the book and read about it but when they're like somehow physically engaging with it in the game it just takes it to that next level so yeah I could literally go on and on but 
I've got like 85 games on our page. If there's any of them you want me to talk about, I can, if there's anything that struck your fancy, but those are kind of the ones I. Well, um, we would love to maybe bring you back at some point, you know, even for some short things and and have you give some further recommendations because these were great, but um, you know, before we wrap up, we, you know, we touched on it just super briefly at the beginning, but can you tell everyone about the charity aspect of, of board game babies? Sure. So, um, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but I, I hadn't actually like intended to make a board game review page for public consumption. I just kind of thought I was throwing up a few reviews for people I know. Um, but when the page started taking off and I realized I'd like join this community and I never want to leave it, I wanted to do something good with it. Um, you know, something that would potentially hopefully make a difference. So I know like these games are super valuable for my family. I've seen and talked to a lot of other families, homeschool, and just quarantining families that are enjoying games in this season of life. But it just really made me start thinking about um, kids that I used to work with that had struggled in school and how much games like this could help them. I actually spent about five years working in low-income, low-performing schools, and I ran a lot of after-school programs for kids that just they just didn't have a lot of opportunities in their life. Um, And like through some of the programs we did, like Drumline and Theater Club, it was just amazing to see kids that were struggling in the classroom connect to something that really clicked for them. Um, Like it not only built their confidence, but it gave them an avenue to engage with academic concepts in just a different way and just changed some of them. It completely changed their trajectory of their life. So as we're playing these games, I realized that games can do exactly the same thing. So like my daughter who hated doing timed math X loves doing the same problems when they're part of a game. And I just realized that's probably true for so many kids. And I wanted to find a way to help kids that maybe don't have access to games at home or even their schools are underfunded or their teachers are paying thousands of dollars out of their own pockets to provide basic school supplies for their kids in the classroom and can't afford to have games for indoor recess or, you know, um, group work. So I, I figured if I'm going to have this page, I'm going to try to do something good with it. So um, right now we're just trying to get games in the hands of kids that could use them the most. And for me, schools were my first point of reference because that's the environment I'm used to. But um, not, I, I used to work in them for years, but I actually still write grants part-time for basic school supplies for low-income schools. Um, but there are not a lot of grants out there for games, which is kind of sad. There are some for libraries, but I haven't really seen anything. If so anybody has any resources, I'd love to know about them. But I kind of just decided I was going to hodgepodge my own way of like getting games to these kids. So, so a couple things we're doing to do this is um, any affiliate income that we get from links, either from our blog or the Amazon shop through Instagram, um, we're using to buy games to give in to kids in low income schools. And then we've also expanded into foster families and group homes. Um, we feel like, you know, giving games to foster families for them to be able to bond together and learn at the same time, just really fit with what we're trying to do. And then there are kids that live in group homes. And I don't even know if like the general public really, I, I, I was a social worker, if you haven't figured that out by training, but <laughs> I used to volunteer in a group home. And these are just kids who, for a variety of reasons, aren't placed in a foster family. And they're in kind of like, you know, a group setting, but they live there and with COVID they can't go anywhere. They can't do any outings. And so games have really been necessary for them, especially as 
winter comes up. And then we found out recently too, that like some teens are sometimes living in the county office buildings for a couple of days while they wait for placement. So trying to get games for them to keep them occupied and have something to do. So in addition to just taking that affiliate income and distributing games that way, we also have links in our bio um, that connect to wish lists to two organizations that distribute school supplies. So, or sorry, distribute games. One is an organization that distributes school supplies to kids at low-income schools, and then they distribute any games that are sent through the wish list or are donated as well. Um, and the great thing about that organization is that teachers actually come to the organization and shop. It's set up like a office depot or they go in and get the supplies they need. So they can actually pick what they want to take back to their classroom. So they would know like, you know, what's an appropriate game for their students age level. Um, and then the other wish list is the situation where the kids, um, the teenagers aren't being able to be placed in foster families or group homes right away. So they're spending time living in the offices and those games are going to them. So those are linked in our bio. So people can literally just buy through the Amazon wishlist and it sends it directly to them. Um, and then the other thing that we kind of launched this year, which we'll see how it ends up, this will be in January. So I don't know if we'll end it at the end of the year, keep it going, but we just kind of tried to encourage people who follow us and who are in the gaming world to donate, um, games locally to them. And we called it like our give a game 2020 initiative and just use like a hashtag and all those things. That I really don't know what I'm doing with any of this, but I'm like <laughs> trying to figure it out. Um, so like, instead of us just like collecting money and trying to impact our little section of the world, we thought like if people picked a game or two and gave it somewhere local to them, like a food mm -hmm. bank or a homeless shelter, or again, a domestic violence shelter, which I don't think are always on people's radar because they have mm -hmm. so much privacy and secrecy for, you know, safety reasons or, or a, a teacher who teaches a low income school, um, that that would be just more impactful and wide reaching for people to look into their community, see where the need is, and then give a really good game and not Candyland. Um, so we, so we like, um, ask people if they did that to just donate, if they donated the games to message us or tag us some way so we can know, and we've been keeping track of that. And We'll see how many games we end up getting donated. But I know some of it has been worldwide. Like a, a, a friend I have now through Instagram in the board gaming world um, just donated some in, you know, the London area that she mm. purchased to donate at their local food bank. So um, someone in Japan said they're doing it too. So it's kind of fun to like see all across the world, people who enjoy these games, spreading the game love, but, but really too, to just hopefully make that impact of like, here we are talking about like how many games we have and like how much we're going to buy. And I'm like, <laughs> and it's true. We yeah. do like we, we do, but like, there's so many kids who, I mean, I, the kids I used to work with didn't even have a single book in their house. Like not one yeah. single book, not one single book. Like, I mean, my kids are literally swimming. Like they could fill a room and swim in books and like, yeah. and I, and I think games are just even less accessible. At least like there are donations, a lot of book donations or teachers send them home sometimes, but like these games are really amazing educational resources. And I just want to try to get them to kids who can need them. So we, we gave like a ton of games to Sipping Queens. Cause that one I just think is again, yeah. so easy to pick up and can span such a great age range, but people have been giving games local to them, all, all sorts of different ones that are important to them or that their family loves. So that's been really cool to see. Yeah, well, that that is just terrific. Well, and we'll make sure to put that all in in the show notes, and everybody who's listening can go ahead and um, connect with you guys on that. And then we'll 
we'll make sure to link all the games that we referenced here to your to your page so that if anybody's interested in getting the game you can go down in the show notes and purchase through the board game babies website and then you guys yeah. can get that affiliate revenue and continue to pass on that good love um we really really appreciate you spending my goodness an hour and a half with us probably no you've done an amazing job um is there anything you wanted to other than the charity work is there anything any give us one more one more game give us one more game Gosh, you're making this hard for me. Okay, let's see. Well, you like Unicorn Glitter Lux. I'm not going to talk about that one. No more uh, unicorn, Oh, no. I, heard, I heard you mention, I heard you mention in your race to the treasure, because yeah. I did listen to that one, that you, <laughs> I, I've started like, I shouldn't say this, but I've started like probably like 10 of yours and gotten like halfway through before my kids are like, give me something to eat or just, <laughs> so anyway, I've heard lots of, lots of snippets of your podcast. Um, but I don't know if I've ever, I've, I've listened to your short bites, all those I can listen to. Um, but the, um, so you mentioned that you wanted to play battleship at some point. Is that true? Yes. Yes. Eventually. So one of my like favorite games, it's just for two players like battleship. Um, it's by Haba and it's called Floaty Fight. And it is a um, dry erase, like uh, battleship type game. So it's, it comes in a little tin and it's so it's a travel game, but you don't have to play it when you just travel. And okay. the two sides of the tins pull apart and there's magnetic floaties that you put in your little pool, like okay. your battleship, like your ships in Battleship. And then you use your dry erase marker to ask each other your coordinates. But it's it's awesome too because my kids, I did not realize they didn't know how to read a grid. Like yes. they just because we don't have race for the treasure, we have Karuba Jr., which does not have the grid and I the grid, and I haven't bought the other one because I think they're pretty much the same game from my estimation. But but floaty fight has taught them how to read it's like a color and number grid. So it's like colored beach balls. I think it's colored number. Now I'm trying to remember. Yeah, no, it, it's colored beach balls and numbers. I'm looking at it right yes, now. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so, so you're, you're playing battleship, but you're using, and their dry erase markers are terrible. So I already replaced them. Just get a second. Got thing it, out. Got it. But just come with like a little eraser, which I appreciate. But I think it's the, it's like the cutest theme game. And seriously though, I, maybe you love battleship because you said you wanted to play it, but all those little pieces. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Put it so, on this. Ugh, I love that one. Like motioning, buy this one, get this quick, one. Quick. <laughs> and like our five-year-old did struggle with it at first because he like, I mean, I, I think that was the first time he'd even seen like the concept of a grid. He was just like, I don't know how to do this. Like, and, and he still sometimes does like, I think tell her the wrong thing, but I think that might be on purpose. Um, <laughs> but he's really learned how to read a grid and I, it's just the cutest, it's the cutest themed game. Right. And I love Abba. Flo- Floaty fight. Floaty fight. I have it. Floaty yeah. fight. Okay. All right, we'll put it down. Sorry, I well, just added another one. <laughs> oh, no. Thank you so much. We we uh, really appreciate your time, and I think it would be great. To, uh, maybe we could have you back to do some 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 short bites uh, with us in the future because there's definitely uh, there's a lot there's a lot of goodness out there, and of course we want to find out about all of it. Uh, <laughs> we we you love can games deal with too. My, my technology problems and my. <laughs> fast talking <laughs> no, no, no we really appreciate your time thank you so much for coming on the podcast well, thank you guys for having me thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey 
Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!